0: We began a journey three weeks ago, talking about the Holy Spirit. L- let me put it this way, we, we, don't, we don't need to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we don't need to, to know about the ministry of the Holy Spirit if, at the end of the day, we have uh, said this before, we, we just sort of want to be, you know vaccinated with Jesus. You know, just just get just enough of him to not like catch the real thing. We don't need to talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't need the ministry of the Holy Spirit if at the end of the day, all you want to do is sort of live a semi-moral life and attend church regularly. We don't need to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit if at the end of the day, you, 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 you can't sing that song, I want to know you, and your heart aches because you're like, I want to know you more. You may not be familiar with the Holy Spirit if at the end of the day, the aim and the goal in your Christian life is to be safe and comfortable Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Very simple question. Why would you need a comforter if you are very comfortable? We don't need to talk about the Holy Spirit if at the end of the day you don't long for an intimacy with God that's beyond just, ah, yeah, I kind of... I have felt the closest to God when nearness to God was a necessity. See, I I, I didn't want to preach on this. You know why? I didn't want to preach on this because there are lots of reasons, but one of the main reasons is because preaching on this, you guys, my accountability goes way up because you know what? Preaching on this, I need to confess to you that I don't know God as much as I want to. I don't hunger for God. I don't thirst for God. I'm very mediocre in my Christian life, and I'm very satisfied. Thank you very much. I like my little life the way it is. Thank you. And preaching on this, I knew all of a sudden the accountability goes way up because I know deep down inside that there's more to the Christian life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There is more to this thing called the Christian life. And all of a sudden, I'm faced with this. I'm faced with the fact, the reality, that the Christian life just isn't hard. It's not just difficult. The Christian life is impossible. No, not the kind of Christian life we talk about, you know? nice person, good person. I need, to, you know, I need to attend church regularly, avoid the bath. No, I'm talking about Matthew 28. Jesus says, therefore obey everything I have commanded you and teach others to do the same. You want to do that? It's impossible. It's impossible for you. It's impossible for me. And I'm realizing more and more, the, the older I get, The Christian life doesn't get easier. Does anybody know? It gets harder. The more truth that you know, it doesn't get easier. It's like all of a sudden I grow in knowledge and so Christian life becomes... It becomes harder. And we are faced with this. We are faced with this reality that you could choose this very lukewarm, mediocre, semi-moral, I'm a good, decent Christian life... Or you could pursue the life of obedience and come face-to-face with the grip that I cannot do this on my own. I can't. Oh, I could fool people, put on a nice mask. Oh, I could try really, really hard, but at the end of the day, honesty forces us to come to grips with the fact I cannot do this on my own. And we've been saying that that's great news, <laughs> Is that good news to anybody? It's good news to me. It's good news to me that I can't do this on my own because all of a sudden it brings me to the place of recognizing, acknowledging, and unlocking this mysterious and yet powerful truth in the Bible that says you were never meant to live the Christian life on your own. The Christian life is only possible when Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, lives through me, this Christian life for me. Let me say that one more time. The Christian life that God has called us, not, not the brand that you and I maybe are aware of and acclimated to, the Christian life that God has called us to of radical obedience is only possible when Jesus Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, lives through me this life for me. And all of God's people said that is... <laughs> See, I get prayer requests like this and and, and you and I both know that the Christian life can't be lived on our own. These are prayer requests that we get regularly. Please pray that I would be able to fall in love with God deeper and deeper again to which certain parts of the Christian world says, try harder! And this person says, then I'm out because I can't try any harder prayer request. I'm struggling with my faith, with confusion, guilt, and anger towards myself. Well, just discipline yourself a little more. She's realizing Christian life can't do it. Please pray that I accept God's forgiveness and love. Does she not know? Is that the problem? I just don't know that God has forgiven me. He loves me. No. She's saying, I can't do it on my own. Free faith that I have the courage to pray and believe that God has fulfilled his promises. I'm extremely weary from ministry. The past week or two has felt very heavy, full of spiritual attack. Pray that I would focus on Christ and center on Jesus rather than my failure to follow. Human emotions. Next prayer request. Getting the best of me, even when I don't want to. Please pray that I look toward God and scripture for wisdom and guidance instead of my own wisdom and strength. Prayer request. Please pray that my broken heart will be healed and other relationships will be healed. Prayer request. I'm in need of strength, especially for comfort. People important to me are going through severe struggles and I need God to help them even if it is through me. I need help to help them. Please pray that God would bring my non-Christian father to his knee. I, I could go on and on and on to which you and I go, if the Christian life is one of try harder, pull yourself by the bootstraps, and discipline yourself more, we would all go, I'm out. I mean, let's just be real. But what if the Christian life isn't one of, oh, there's something wrong with you if you're not trying harder. We, but the Christian life is one of Did you know that you were never supposed to do this on your own strength? And that the only way it's possible is through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. To which I I ask you this question. When was the last time you and I consciously, intentionally were aware of and you sought out the Holy Spirit in your life? When is the last time? We take this for granted, don't we? Some of us just don't even know. I I found this passage to be uh, convicting, to say the least. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from... Curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And I've preached on that verse many, many a times to talk about the death of Christ. But then I always tell you guys, keep reading, keep reading. So I kept reading, and this is what it says He that is Christ redeemed us so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You know what he's saying? He's saying, The promise of the Spirit did not come cheaply, the promise of the Spirit came at a grueling death of the Son of God so that we would have the Holy Spirit. He was hung on a tree. He became a Christ for us so that we would receive the Holy Spirit. To which we go, oh, wow. Do I take him for granted that he paid an enormous cost so that we would enjoy this enormous gift? (laughs) Okay, real quick. I said last week that one of the challenges is fear. Some of us are afraid. It's so funny. I sing these songs. You know, I'll get to that in a minute. The songs that we, we're, we're afraid. Here's what I mean. we're afraid. We're afraid for some of us. We're afraid that, that God might not come through. Some of us, as I talk about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, move of the Holy Spirit, some of us are like, Peter, I don't want to go there because you know what? There may have been a time when I expected God to move in a powerful way. I'm struggling with some enormous things, addictions, pain, hurt, abuse. There's enormous things I'm struggling with, and I know that it requires a powerful, supernatural move of God. But I, I'm afraid. That if I put myself out there and expected God to move, that he won't. So what we do, we cover for God. And the way we cover for God is we expect less. We become satisfied with less. and We even convince ourselves we want less. I told you last, please, you don't have to cover for God. He wants this more badly than you and I will ever know. Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if you then though know you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm going to tell you this over and over again. He doesn't need convincing from you or me. He wants this for you more badly than you do. Is that good news? I told you. My children don't have to beg their dad to hug them. Some you sitting there going, God, do you really beg? God's going, you have no idea how badly I want you to know me through the Holy Spirit. Ah. But some of us are afraid the other way. <laughs> this morning we're saying, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. Do you? No, I'm serious. Do you really want to? Because you know what? Many of us don't want to be led by God. Truth be told, we don't want to be led by anyone other than ourselves. And we know, deep down inside, if we really heard the voice of God, that voice will not be comfortable That voice will come and reprioritize, reorganize, realign. That voice will come and say, you need to change some things. That voice will come and say, who's really at the center of your life? That voice will come and say, I want you to go. I want you to stay. I want you to give that up, give this up. And some of us are like, I don't know if I want to hear the voice of God because if I hear the voice of God, He's just going to come. Well, He's going to come and wreck my life. So I'd much rather go, I want to know you. Na, 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 na. I want... Are you afraid? As I preach on the Holy Spirit, that if you would truly yield and surrender and God started speaking and you heard clearly that He will ask you to do something come uncomfortable, difficult well, let me just tell you in advance. The answer is yes. He will. Why? I'll talk about this next week. He is ultimately about one thing. It's about transformation. And transformation occurs every day you and I go to the cross. To the cross. To the, I know. See, some of us, see, that's exactly why I don't like this topic. I like my tidy life. I like my, Comfortable, I like it the way it is. I like kind of arranging things, and I know that if God comes, transformation will require that I sacrifice, I give up, I choose to follow Him instead of me. And I'm going to tell you in advance yes, that is exactly what He will do. But I said last week, I don't know about you, but it's not for me so much fear of listening to the Holy Spirit and following Him. I'm actually more afraid of following my own wisdom. Anybody else? (laughs) Darius is the only other person. Okay. I am totally, deathly afraid of following my own wisdom and knowledge in this path. Because I know where that leads me. So are you afraid that God may come and speak clearly and lead you to places you don't want to go? and ask you to do things that you don't want to do remember one thing transformation 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 <laughs> how many of y'all want to hear the rest <laughs> oh. one more thing and that Some of us are afraid that this would make us radical. Oh, God forbid. Radical. And somehow we equal radical, uncool. Radical, judgmental Christian. Radical, out of control. Radical, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me put it this way. The most radical person that ever walked on the face of the earth was a person named Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I would like to become radical like Jesus. Anybody else? All right. John 14. Open your Bibles. John 14. John 14, 15, and 16 are three chapters that I'm asking you guys to meditate on, to talk about, to, you know, in your small groups and and to read. Uh, We've been sort of laying a foundation for our sermon series in these last couple of weeks, and we're going to kind of do the last laying down of foundation. John 14, verse 16, Jesus is, is, is telling the disciples, he already told them that he is going away after being with them for three years, and he's telling them that, that, that there is actually something even better that awaits them as a result of his leaving, although they don't believe it. Verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him but you know him because he abides with you and will be where will be where in you these things i've spoken to you while abiding with you but the Helper, of the holy spirit and the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that i said to you the promise of the helper, we've been saying. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' way of tipping off the most fundamental foundational things you and I didn't know about the Christian life. And that is we cannot do this on our own. And we need outside intervention. And the good news, the whole news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ not only died to save us from the penalty of sin by the virtue of his death on the, on the cross, but he rose from the dead. And his resurrection life lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it is through that resurrection life in the person of the Holy Spirit that we could live this Christian life. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Okay, so we've been saying that the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? Here's the definition. The Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian's heart. Personal, divine, resident of the Christian story. How many of you guys ever had the experience of being in an airport? One of two ways: going to the airport and somebody told you like so and so is going to pick you up, but you have no idea what they look like. Anybody? Yeah. So okay. I've had that, you know, I've traveled, and I've said, so-and-so is going to pick you up. And they normally, you know, have that sign that says Peter or whatever, right? But there's been times when the person didn't have that sign. So it's terrifying. You come down, and you're walking through, right? And there are all these beady little eyes looking at you. You're like, who the heck am I supposed to be, you know? And I've had the other, which is I'm looking for so-and-so. I've been given a vague description about who I'm supposed to pick up. I'm trying to discern. That's sort of like, for some of us, our experience with the Holy Spirit. We're sitting there going, what's he look like? What's he sound like? What's he talk like? What's he act like? I have no idea who he is. How the heck am I supposed to? And what the Bible says is there needs to be an awareness that develops as you get to learn his identity. By the way, can I share something really, really cool, you guys? Because this is the kind of thing that I want. By the way, I love, I love, love, love when you guys send emails sharing about what God is doing and how he's speaking. For example, look at, listen to this. Uh, uh, w- w- a, a guy in our church said this. He said, another note, I was doing some work for another carpenter yesterday who needed help and we were talking at lunch. He just out of the blue brought up the subject of faith and I got to listen to someone sharing with me honestly and I got to talk about Jesus and the good news. And then check this out. He goes, the cool thing is I did it with the heightened awareness at the time that I am a man who is inhabited by the Spirit of God and what I did didn't come from me. Isn't that cool? Here's a guy who's saying, Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, no. As I was talking, I was overwhelmed. this just kind of an awareness of the fact, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives in me. He lives in me. And as I'm talking, my mouth is moving, and I'm looking at this guy, but the words that are coming out of my mouth is with this powerful recognition. See, see, I want all of us to go and experience an encounter. An aware amen an awareness of oh 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 yeah, this isn't me this isn't me right as I'm talking as I'm going as a wow it's the spirit of God see we could do that awareness awareness okay Okay, so who is he? Who is he? John chapter 16, 7. But I tell you the truth. It's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, pay attention to the pronouns, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But what he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you. We said two things about who he is. Number one, that he is God. Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father God the Son. He is God. We don't have time to go into it today. But Jesus Christ says, I will send you another as the Father has sent me. And we're entering into the dizzying doctrine of the Trinity. Jesus is saying, just as I am one with the Father, the Holy Spirit is one with me. Holy Spirit is God. Why is that important? We're not going to enter into the Holy Spirit. Because when you and I ignore the Holy Spirit... We are ignoring who? We're ignoring God. So for some of us that says, I can't even think about the last time I gave the Holy Spirit an intentional thought. Oh. Secondly, though, we said the last week, He is not just God, but He is a person. Holy Spirit is not a thing. He is not a force of some kind. He is not an it I get uncomfortable with the language of things like getting the Holy Spirit or tapping into the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. Why is it important? Because the Bible says things like you need to be led by the Holy Spirit, which entails a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person, and you and I could have a relationship with this person that lives inside of us. We can get to know him. We could get to be intimate with him. We could get to hear him. We could get to an awareness of him. He is a person. The Holy Spirit, the Bible also says things like this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you think of the Holy Spirit as an it or a force, We get mechanical, and we frankly get manipulative. So things like I get into the right environment, and the Holy Spirit comes. I pray a certain way, and the Holy Spirit comes. I sing the right songs, and the Holy Spirit comes. I do the right. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit doesn't come in some manipulative, mechanical way. The Holy Spirit is a person. How does that work? I don't know if this makes sense to you. The best illustration I can think of is this. How do you get filled with a person? How do you get filled with a person? Eastern religions teach that God is some sort of a force. And so the way you connect with this force is through meditation. But meditation is by emptying the mind of all thought. Emptying the mind of all words. The Bible says the way you connect with this God also is through meditating. But meditation in the Bible isn't because God's person it's filling not emptying but filling your mind with truth filling your mind with the word of God now check this out Colossians 3:16 says therefore let the word of God dwell in you let the word of God dwell in you John 1:1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Filling our mind with the Word of God is filling our mind with God Himself. And the result is that there is an acute, heightened awareness of His presence in our lives. Illustration. When I was little, my parents used to invite important people. My dad was a professor, taught English, and once in a while, we would have like the principal or the president of the university come visit our house. My mom would be in the kitchen cooking up a storm, and all three of us would be cleaning our house. Why? An important guest was coming. We put on our best clothes, wore our best behavior. The three of us sat at the president's seat and listened to and hung on his every word. To be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, is to be filled with his presence in such a way that you and I become more acutely aware of the presence of this living person that lives inside of us in such a way that it makes a radical difference in how we live. Share last week the story of a, of a man having an affair, and he would bring his mistress over to his house. And what he would do is he would put all the pictures of his wife and his children down. Why? Even the presence of the picture looking at him and his mistress was enough for him to go. So he would put all the pictures down. Even the presence of the pictures would affect his behavior. Question. The Bible says you and I are a temple of the Holy Spirit in which God dwells. Has the acute awareness of the person that lives inside of you who is called the Holy Spirit make a difference in how you and I live? you and I were aware of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it fills us with an awareness of His presence. There would be integrity in our lives. I said this last week, and please listen. There are things that you and I are doing in our lives, in the dark, where nobody's looking. Our lives would look different if we became aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside. Of us. The acute awareness of who it is that lives inside of us ought to bring integrity to our lives. Can I get an amen? I know this is hard. I know this is hard. Last week when I started talking about this, I felt this incredible weight and burden and heaviness because let's just be perfectly honest, there are things that you and I are doing where we're more afraid that our roommates would find out, our boyfriend would find out, our parents would find out, our spouses would find out, but we don't give a thought to the fact. What is wrong with that picture? What is wrong with that picture? I'm not here to bash you over the head. And go, do, 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 do. I'm just here to say to you: Are you overwhelmed with an awareness of if you are doing something right now, and you clearly know because the Holy Spirit has been saying to you? That's wrong. Don't go there. Don't be with. Don't. And you've been ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. I said last week that voice becomes fainter and fainter and fainter. The Bible calls that quenching the spirit. Do you see how far removed we are from the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us? And somebody said this last week, Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Thank you, Wendy Radakovich. you know. She emailed and said, Peter, the thing that I love about the Holy Spirit, he's not going to force himself on me. She's absolutely right. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't come and go, what is wrong with you? And the Holy Spirit comes and goes, stop. Spirit. How many of you right now, be totally honest, raise your hands, nobody's looking. How many right now sitting there going, there's, there's, God is speaking? Okay, okay, okay. So if you're sitting there going, ah, the Holy Spirit, does he really work? That's him right now, not me. It's him right now. It's him. And by the way, if you're sitting there and you're the other way, like you're really bothered right now, you're like, profiles, grasp, I just want to ask, why? Why are you reacting like that? I haven't said anything mean or nasty or cruel or religious or self right I'm just saying. Hey, what, what? Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> Looks like we're not going to. Okay. So the Holy Spirit. Because we have a meeting today. The so Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Holy Spirit has emotions, okay? Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit said to be grieved. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Can I just say, do you know that when you and I sin, do you know? Do you know? When you and I sin, the Holy Spirit... I, I, I've been on the other end when I have grieved somebody that I love with all of my heart. And i got to confess to you today that I can't remember the last time I actually consciously thought, is what I'm doing grieving the Spirit of God? Hebrews ten twenty nine, you can outrage the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen. Holy Spirit loves an impersonal force. Can't feel these feelings, these emotions. Third, the Holy Spirit has a will. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eleven, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing each one individually, just as he wills. Everybody, can you look up here? The Holy Spirit doesn't exist to carry out your ability and your agenda and your will. Do you know that? To, to which we go, all right, amen. Okay, you know what? But can I just ask you something? Can I ask you? Because many of, many of us, most of do you know how we're functioning today? We go, Holy Spirit has a will. He's out to fulfill his will. Do you know what many of us do? Many of us, is kind of like this. God, I have my agenda. I have my will. I have my goals. And I need you to come and help me with my goals and my agenda and my will for my life. To each you go, no, I don't. Really? Then why do you react the way you do when your plans don't go the way you want them to? why? If you're really about God, you have a will. You have an agenda. And I'm merely here to support surrender and follow your will agenda. Really? If that's the case, when your plans haven't gone the way they wanted to, why are you upset? Why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? Have you really and truly not asked God to help you with your agenda, with your ability to carry out your will? The God of the universe? It's not someone you just add on to our lives and keep on and keep on as we did before. The spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is someone that we don't just call on when we need some extra power. Jesus Christ, church, did not die and rise from the dead to follow me. The son of God did not die and rise so that he could be at my beck and call. Does that sound ridiculous to anybody else? But that's what I do. This is the reason why, as a pastor, I have seen over and over again, the people that are most disappointed with God are the people, people who have not fully surrendered and yielded and said, God, I am about your agenda. Their whole approach to life isn't one of cooperating with the Holy Spirit, but it's one of manipulation. So when my plans don't go the right way, and all of a sudden God takes a right turn, how can you do that? When the circumstances take a left turn, how dare you do that? And the Holy Spirit says, I have a will. And it's a perfect will that God the Father has designed for you and for me. And this is why, on the other hand, I have seen people, who experience unimaginably horrific things in life in our own church, go through that experience with joy, not flipping fake happiness, but joy, peace. I have seen people and that's not because they knew more about the Bible. They've been Christians longer than you and me. The reason why is their entire approach to one of life is saying, God, I get up at 6 in the morning. Let your will be done. I don't even know what it is, but let your will be done. I'm not approaching you to manipulate you, God, in a subtle way to have you fulfill my... I am here for you. Have you had a hard time hearing from God. People who are living in manipulation mode don't hear from God. Why? If the circumstances are good, you don't even need God. You're sort of piecing together. Man, I, see, I know, I know, I know the pe- people that I pastor. See, the problem is, you guys are so competent and so gifted and so talented that you're just kind of doing life, you know? You're just kind of doing life. You got my plans, got my agenda. I'm just kind of doing life. You don't even need God, frankly, right? Why, why do I need God if I'm just sort of piecing together? And secondly, I don't even want to hear from God because, God, my approach is I want you to come and bless my plans. And God says, "And why in the world would I even speak? So if you're going, I, I just can't hear God. I just can't hear God. Let me say this. Forget about God's will for your life. There, I said it. Forget about God's will for your life. What do I mean? God cares more about your willingness to fulfill his will in this moment today than your will or his will for your life for next year your willingness and desire to say, God, what are you saying? How are you speaking? Holy Spirit, how are you leading me in the next 10 minutes? When you do that, and our sensitivity to following him moment by moment in the next 10 minutes is how our ability to hear God's will for next year becomes clear. So for those of us that are going, God, next five years, 10 years, there is no such thing in the Bible. God doesn't come and say, here's the next 10 years for your life. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, yes, Lord, pick up your stuff. Pack up my stuff. Pack up your stuff. Okay. that stuff is packed. Now what? Leave the country. Leave the country. Okay. Go where? Don't worry about it. I'll show you. The only thing God promises in Scripture is not 5, 10, 15. The only thing that the Spirit of God promises is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You guys, if you're sitting there, someone today going, I'm frustrated, Peter, because I don't know the next 5, 10, 15 years. We got all this garbage books out there saying you need to manage your life the next 15 years. And all of us are going, I want to find out God's will. I'll tell you his will. He wants you to hear his voice and be in obedience in the next 10 minutes. He wants you to hear his voice and do exactly what he wants you to do today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. And when you do that, holy cow, your future will become clear your future and god's clarity for your future see this is the reason why and i'm almost done this is the reason why can i just be really honest some of us sitting there talking about god's will for my life becomes an excuse for inaction and disobedience Oh my gosh, let's have nice spiritual conversations, shall we? God's will. What do you think God's will for your life is? Oh, I think God's will for my life is. And we are ignoring vast things that the Spirit of God is saying, next 10 minutes, next 10 minutes, next 10 minutes. It is much safer and less demanding to think about God's will for your life for some day than it is for today. If you've walked into this room today and going, I don't know what God wants, to, I don't know how God wants me to marry. I don't know my next job. I don't know what city God wants me to live in. I don't know what he wants to do with my life. And you're frustrated and you're anxious. Let me tell you something. One time I was so frustrated and anxious at the fact that my future wasn't clear. I'm going, God, I want to know my I want to know your will. My will, see. I want to know my will for my life for the future. You know what I heard God say? God simply came and said, seek me. Then you will know my will for your life but I'm seeking your will. Two different things. Seek me, then you will know. No, some of y'all didn't hear me. God's will for my life. Seeking God. Two different things. I want to know God's will. Two. God says, seek me, then you will Do you know what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do when you go out of this church? Do you even care? No, of course not. 12 o'clock, 12.30, I got lunch so-and-so, and and at 3 o'clock, I'm meeting so-and-so, and and 7 o'clock tonight, blah, 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 and tomorrow morning when I get up. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, before you walked out today because you believe the Holy Spirit has the actual will for your life, Before you walked out today, we actually spent some time. This is today. Today, before you go out and said, God, my plans gone for today. All the stuff that I wanted to do, plan to do, gone for today. I am simply here to say, speak, Lord. Who do you want me to have lunch with? Where would you like me to go? How would you like me to spend this evening? You got that voice inside of you going... That's stupid. What are you talking about? How are you going to explain to so and so? You've been meaning for lunch, for you know, forever. What do you mean? No, what if the Holy Spirit actually had the audacity to say to you, Hey, this is exactly what I want you to do. The Holy Spirit, Carlton, come on up, is most available to those who have yielded and surrendered themselves to God's leading. The Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is most available to that man, to that woman. The Holy Spirit speaks most loudly to that man or that woman. The leading of the Holy Spirit and the powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit is most clearly evident in the life of that man or that woman whose approach to God is one of God. My hands are open. My life is yielded. Speak, Lord. You know what? You're sitting there going, I don't want that from my life. I have news for you. Because God loves you, Ha! God loves you. He will bring you and I to that place where we become, we come to the end of ourselves. We come to the end of my strength. We come to the end of my ability. We come to the end of my smarts. We come to the end of my agenda. Because God knows that it is when you and I can't do anything that we become willing to do Everything. And because God loves you, and He knows that it's not in the mountaintop experiences of things are going well, Superman, I can do it all. But God knows that it is in the emotional, psychological, mental, and spiritual valleys where you and I come to the end of ourselves and we say, God, I can't and because god the holy spirit knows and he is an expert at engineering circumstances he will bring you and me to that place of brokenness because it is in that place of brokenness that you and i stop manipulating god and you and i begin cooperating to the leading of the holy spirit we come to that place of saying god I have no agenda. I debated on whether I was going to share this with you guys today, and I'm going to, and then we're going to pray. Your pastor, your friend, me, I'm a, I'm burnt out, I'm fried, I'm wiped out, I am whatever word you want to use. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you guys, I've been running on empty, you know, driving that red light that says, empty, empty, go get filled up. Like I've been avoiding that for like ever. The last three years of my life, I have stretched myself out so So thin, so thin. Last three years of my life, I've stretched myself out so thin. And I've been going 110 miles per hour, ignoring the vital sign that said, stop, stop. And I just kept going. And I find myself completely and totally and utterly wiped out. And you know what the most difficult thing for me to admit to you today is? The last 3 years it's been a lot about me, a lot about my strength, my energy, a lot about my abilities, a lot about my strategy, a lot a lot about me. And if I were completely honest with you, not a whole lot of God. Not a whole lot of God. And what's been really interesting is that because I've reached an emotional, mental, physically, too, spiritually, like end of myself, and I reached that point about a month and a half, two months ago, all of a sudden I started hearing God clearly. And I shared with Michael a couple other people, it's really annoying these days. I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound super spiritual because I'm not. It's not like I'm smart. But I hear God so clearly these days because I am literally at the end of myself and Peter is dead. And I hear God saying, when will you learn? It's not about your strength, your abilities, your giftedness, your plans and go... It's never been about that. It will never be about that. And because I've reached a point of utter and total weakness and saying, God, I've got nothing left. Nothing left. I hear the voice of the Heavenly Father saying, I've got you exactly where I want you. Now we could begin to do something. So I am preaching to myself in this sermon series. Because if not for the strength, you guys, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there is not a chance in the world that I could even get up here Sunday after Sunday and preach. I'm done. I'm done. Buy heads with me. Each week we've ended the sermon and the service. Every Sunday I've stood up here and I've given and issued this encouragement challenge. Every Sunday I've come up here and said, for those of you that have reached that point of saying, God, I'm done. Me, my life self-reliance, self-dependence, my agenda, my goals. I'm done. God, I'm done with living a mediocre life. I'm done. My 5, 10, 15-year plans for what I want. God, I'm done. All I want to do, all I need to do, is come to that place of saying, I don't know what's going to happen next week. But God, for today, my hands are open. My life is yielded. My posture is one of. God, let your will be done. Let your will be done.